this is Sean Donovan, and you're listening to the guys at Send Central. I'm Drake Patterson, and you're listening to Send Central. I'm a hockey player. I've been playing hockey for, you know, my whole life, so it's another day of hockey. You know, we've really been you know, excited for since the start of training camp and throughout the whole summer. Just everybody wants to get back and start playing again. So tonight's finally the night, and it's against a great opponent, and, uh, you know, a big, big rivalry game. So how can, you, uh, how can you imagine a better start to a season than a big rivalry game? Hello and welcome to episode 62, the Eric Griba edition of Making Sense of the Sens. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller. What's up, guys? And Chris Parliament. Hey, boys. You're still in Woodstock, but I didn't feel the need to exemplify that because we're all in different locations, being uh, outside the TSN studios all over Skype, so... Hopefully it's still smooth sailing. We should give stick taps. I mentioned Eric Greiber right off the top. The only number 62 in Sens history. He announced his retirement since we last recorded. So congratulations to him. But as one career ends, another flourishes. As the Sens have locked up the franchise. Thomas Shabbat, eight years, $64 million. And I'm no math major, but Parley, what's the square root of 64? Eight and I ate till I barfed on the floor. Eight times eight, 64. There you, I guess that's how they teach it. Woodstock Public School. Uh, Pillar, initial impressions on the deal. Look, when this deal came out, I just got a notification saying that uh, the deal was done. I didn't even see the term or the dollar amount, and I didn't care. You could have given Shabbat a blank check, and I would have been totally fine, especially at eight years, knowing we finally have this franchise cornerstone defenseman locked down. For that long, it's just, it's so relieving, especially when, sure, he had another year left on his entry-level deal, but you didn't want to head into the summer without that being signed. So having that done and dealt with before this season even starts is a huge victory for the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, just considering that Thomas Shabbat will only be making $863,000 this year, it just kind of makes you shake your head. This guy was 10th among all defensemen with 55 points last season, and you can only see that number improving. Another kind of cool stat that they showed on the RDS broadcast about Thomas Shabbat was the amount of clean zone exits he has. The actual one is, yeah, his zone entry and exit numbers. So only Roman Yossi and Eric Carlson enter the zone with control more times than Thomas Shabbat did last season. Yossi 7.65 times per match. Carlson 6.6. Well, I mean, Shabbat is is right behind him there at 6.57. And controlled entries into the zone? I mean, Yossi's first again. He's just an extraordinary defenseman. 3.98, Carlson 2.72. And then your boy, Hot Sam Bacho, 2.41. So just how he does it with ease, it's going to come so naturally. Um, I mean, you know he's going to still have to work on the defensive side of his game. He said that during his press conference. It's never going to be perfect. It's about managing it and making sure that he is in the right position. So I want to move still on the Shabbat side, but also how have you seen him with uh, Nikita Zaitsev? And do you think that could be a pair going forward that really surprises some people this season? Well, when I thought about this, it was kind of the last time we talked, we all thought, well, mark it down. It's already in there. Uh, It's written in stone that Shabbat and DeMello, because of the way they played together last year, they're going to be the next first line pairing again this year. But then I got thinking about it and Nikita Zaitsev is coming into this with, well, he kind of had a down year after being a good offensive standout and earning that contract in Toronto. So now he's coming over here. DeMello made it look pretty good and 
you got to hope that Nikita Zaitsev with the contract and dollar amount he's making next year is going to be the guy that's going to step up just like DeMello did. So why not give, give him the best opportunity to flourish in a Sens uniform? And playing beside Thomas Shabbat's probably the best way to do that. Yeah, I'd agree with you, Chris. And I mean, with with the Sens decor being, I don't want to get too down on it, but it's not very... Uh, veteran heavy especially other than other than Hainsey so to get these two guys together give them a little more strength up front especially Zaitsev he's shown in the past he can have an offensive touch I mean his rookie season I think he got like over 20 assists a couple uh couple points on the power play too so if you put him with Shabbat I'm sure he can boost his offensive numbers especially get them higher than they were last year because he was kind of down in the Leafs uh defensive pairings last year with uh guys like uh, you had Gardner, Muzzin, Riley. So he kind of got bumped down. So a uh, similar situation with a lot of the other former Leafs players that are in Ottawa. We're going to get a chance to see what they can do in an elevated role rather than what they did last season, where they're typecast into kind of more grinder, bottom pair, bottom uh, six kind of roles. So that'll be really interesting to see. And it'll be nice for uh, Shabbat to try out a new defensive partner. We know Carl had a bunch of partners that didn't really work out for him other than Mathot. So maybe Zaitsev can be Mathot's Mathot. Shout out Philip Kuba and Chris Phillips, two of Carlson's uh, first <laughs> partners on the back end. But uh, since we're already starting to get into it in terms of Zaitsev and, and Shabbat, let's start on the back end because the Senators have named their final roster. The final cuts coming on Sunday here is we're recording on Monday night. We're going to release this Tuesday morning here. So it'll be the eve of of the NHL season for the Ottawa Senators as they're in Toronto on Wednesday to kick off the 2019-20 campaign. Later on in the show, we're going to talk about what would be considered a successful season for this era or this brand of Ottawa Senators hockey. But let's just go through the lineup and then we'll talk about the guys that didn't make it and why or why they should have been on the roster. So Shabbat Zaitsev's your top pair. Branster making the team a little bit of a surprise. We'll talk about that in a sec with Hainsey. Borvietsky and DeMello skated together as the third pair, and Cody Golubev was the seventh defenseman. So let's handle the decor first, Branstrom being the surprise. So I'll start with you, Pillar, because I know you got to see him a bit in Belleville last year. Um, what are your initial thoughts here on Eric Branstrom cracking the lineup? Well, it's tough because I think a big part of Branstrom cracking the lineup, too, is the Willinen injury especially seeing as it's a long-term injury. So you know you're, you're not going to have a line in available for, I think it was at least four months, right? So that gives Brandstrom a chance to step in and at least play. I'm sure they're going to give him at least nine games and even try to play him the whole time while line is out, give him a good stretch of games. But personally, I would have preferred to see Brandstrom get sent down to the AHL. I mean, he's an offensive type kind of defenseman. He's going to be playing with Ron Hainsey, who is kind of the opposite style of that, and especially a veteran. So he kind of got two opposites, which might make it work out. But I would have preferred to see him top line running the power play in Belleville, really building up some confidence. Because what's the rush with having him up so soon? Like there's there's no there's no expectations for the Senators to make the playoffs this year. You're not really competing. I would say give him more time to develop in the minor league system down in Belleville and. Selfishly, I just want to see Branstrom light it up in the minors because the few games we saw him down there, when he had the puck, it, he could do anything with it. And he was just moving around guys like pylons out there. So that's my opinion, but I'm excited to see how he plays in the NHL too. Yeah, and you mentioned the Willandon injury kind of opening a door. A part of that 
is it also opens up power play time. You know Shabbat's going to see the bulk of it on the first unit. It looks like Anthony Duclair is going to play the point on that top unit. Um, so that'll be really fun to watch, and they're just going to keep the top line together with Brown, Kachuk, and White. Um, so yeah, the, the second unit, there's an opportunity for him to get out there and, and be able to have that extra ice and skate with it because we know he loves to also, like Shabbat, control the puck out of his own zone and yep. skate it himself. No, no dump and chases in his game. He loves kind of setting him up uh, setting himself up as he enters the offensive zone. But that, that uh, got him into some trouble. We remember the Habs game. I, I think it was Deneau stripped it yeah, off it when he was trying to leave leave the zone on his own without making a pass. Kind of didn't really realize his man was getting on him so quick, got stripped, and that led to a quick goal. So that's something that, with time, Branson's going to have to work on, which is why I think time in the AHL, where you get a little more time and space with the puck on your stick, you can kind of learn to adapt and make those plays a little bit better. Before we talk about the final defenseman that didn't make the team, um, shout out Mark Borowiecki, four assists in five preseason games. Yeah. Like, is this yeah. is this a switch up in style? Is he just getting lucky? Like, Parley, what have you seen out of out of Boro? I well, I mean, let's not forget that one of the assists turned was turned into an assist after it looked like he had scored, and uh, gave that funny clip to uh, to Wallace there, Brent Wallace, saying, "How was the first question? Not about my goal, but." getting back to what I've seen from him. And this is a guy that, you know, last year was kind of thrust into that leadership role in a weird way with the whole Melnick inter- interview. And I think since then, he's really kind of calmed down. The I think a lot of what is going on in his game as well is that concussion he received and how he didn't want to fight anymore, that he might be trying to add something else to his game. Uh, a lot of time in the preseason too, it's just kind of a scramble. So maybe pucks are bouncing out to him in ways that usually would be more filtered towards the net and down low and sort of things like that. So it's hard to judge in, what, four games? But uh, if he's able to add that to his game and contribute offensively a little bit more, that would be more than welcome for the Senators on the blue line. Uh, one thing, and not to jump totally back to Branstrom, rather, but we've seen the Sens aren't scared of sending guys who have played for them a lot last year down to the minors. So... By no means is this Branson's spot for the entire season because let's talk about a couple of the guys that didn't make it. And, I mean, Max Lajoie was an earlier cut, but he had played over 50 games last year. And Christian Yarosh, the final cut on defense. And I know all three of us, this is a pro-Christian Yarosh podcast, but even I, I kind of shook my head for a second because I really thought he had the inside track just having that experience beside Boro. But with Hainsey playing the right side now, it really allowed them to have the flexibility to send him down. And get his confidence back because this is a guy who had kind of upside potential offensively playing in Belleville in their inaugural season, but then really got thrust into a defensive role with Ottawa and couldn't kind of swim offensively as well as he was so concerned with boxing out these bigger men as, as just a 20 year old. So now 21, he's going to go back to Belleville and play top, top minutes there with LeJoie. So, I mean, talk about exciting uh, for Belleville fans, but do you, what do you see potential now that you've seen him a full year in the NHL? Do you see him as a guy who could get 30 to, to 35 points? Or is he a, a, just a one-dimensional shutdown defenseman? Which isn't a bad thing. We've seen Anton Volchenkov thrive in that role. I don't think he ever had more than 25 points with Ottawa. But um, do you see them to be more than the one dimension to his game pillar? Well, I listened to uh, DJ Smith spoke, I think, uh, what day is it today? Yeah, today. Um, and well, it'll, it'll be saying, Monday. They, they asked him about. What? It'll be Monday by the time the pod's out. 
Yeah, right. Tuesday, you mean. It's Monday now. But he was saying, DJ Smith was saying that uh, he really wanted Yaros to work on that offensive side of his game, like you talked about, Ross. And personally, I don't know, when you've got a guy like Shabbat who's going to rack up points offensively, you've got a, a highly touted prospect in Brandstrom who's also going to rack up points offensively in the future. I don't really see Yaros needing to have that offensive side. I would almost rather he just focus on being a shutdown guy. And if he ends up being a bottom pair defenseman for the bulk of his career, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, especially with the style of play he's shown. He can shut down uh, oppo- opponents really well, especially in the AHL at a lesser competition level. So I don't have a problem with that. But I mean, if you like Parley said about Boro, if you can add some offense to your game, that's always welcome. And if you're looking at a guy like Christian Yarosh, I think back always to that exit interview in his first year where they asked him to add more offense to his game. And I think he was able to do that. And it looked like he was more excited and hopped into the play a little bit more. I remember looking back at a rookie game from a couple of years ago now where he was hopping up in the play and it was, he was beaver tailing all over the ice. He wanted the puck. I think if you're going to look for him to get the most out of his game, you're going to ask him to do that because he's going to be more into the play. I think one thing that a lot of people forget too is his unbelievable foot speed. He's a guy that can go up and down the ice really well. And if he's able to add some offense to his game, add an outlet pass, but then hop into the play as that fourth guy, jumping into it late, causing more problems down the ice than, and really expanding the, uh, the neutral zone for his teammates. I can see him being a guy that can do that. So it's a little bit scary to see him sent down and maybe thrust in to a defensive role. Because uh, I think that might be a little bit pigeon pigeonholing him. But as Pillar kind of outlined all the the good young defensemen the Sens have from uh, Shabbat to Branstrom to Willannon to Lajoie, um, and I'm probably missing one or two. But the other side of it is Yarosh is kind of that rare breed of right hand shot defenseman that coaches love. So I think that if you could at least get him to be um, like a, a 30 point NHL defenseman, that would be a win for me with Christian Yarosh because you've got the, the studs coming up too. You've got JBD and Lassie Thompson who are both right hand shots. So if that's your one, two, three in, in three, four years, then I think you've got a pretty good hockey team. So it'll be fun to watch. But I mean, I think what we're all thankful for, and we know that in the context of the rebuild, they really didn't have much of a choice, is Christian Yarosh or Lajoie for that matter could not be the seventh defenseman on the team. So that's where Cody Golubev comes in. He'll get spot duty. I I mean, you can't be mad about that. Anyone who is, is um, is probably the same people who are mad that Scott Sabre made the team, frankly. Um, so uh, now we'll move up to forwards because Scott Sabre was absolutely the surprise there. The fact that he uh, made the, the roster after just being invited on a professional tryout. This is a kid from Orleans who played seven full seasons of AHL hockey and for more than a few teams. So he's been around the block. He's seen what the minors is like. This isn't uh, an enforcer. This isn't Matt Cassian that's coming on to the Ottawa Senators. I I mean, he does have a forechecking aspect to his game, and I respected that uh, throughout preseason. It was one of the, like, in preseason, less so now than, than maybe in the mid-2000s when you'd see four or five fights in a preseason game. But it's how are you going to get noticed over somebody else? And I think that every game that Scott Sabrain played this preseason, after the game on the ride home, the scouts are looking around saying who stood out, and Scott Sabrain's name was was up there. 
whether it was like chirping Austin Matthews, which we don't see a whole lot of guys do, or whether it's pounding in Max Domi, that that little grin that so many people would want to give a few laughs to, while Scott Sabrain fulfilled your dream there because he gave about nine or ten um, into Domi's face. So for me, he made this team on merit, and I think that that's the culture that DJ Smith wants to set. But Parley, what are your take here on Scotty Sabrain? I think a lot of the times guys uh, are a lot of bark and no bite in the NHL. Scotty Sabrin, he's going to be a guy that's all bite. I mean, if you say something, he's going to make you pay for it. And uh, there's so many times where there's players that will run their mouth up and down the bench. We saw it last year even with Max Domi saying uh, waivers, waivers to Zach Smith. <laughs> that, that stuff's not going to fly when Scott Sabrin's on the ice. And, I mean, what a line coming out of that uh, press conference after he got signed. I can protect the investments. How are you not happy with a guy that's willing to pay that price? Most for Canadian accent going. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, was yeah, well, how excited he was? It sounds like uh, Sabrin's got a future in financial management after his NHL career <laughs> protecting investments. But I like this signing. And like you said, Ross, if you're one of the people that are up in arms about signing uh AHL veteran to a $700,000 deal to have a guy available to sit in the press box that you're not worried about his development. You're, you don't have a lot invested in this guy. If you're worried about something like that and that really grinds your gears, I don't know what to tell you. You just need to calm down a little, especially in a season where the expectations aren't too high. And a lot of people say, oh, I'd rather have a, a young guy getting getting minutes in the NHL, even if it's less time. But then you're putting guys like like Schlappick, who has a lot of offensive upside, on a fourth line where he might only get five five to seven minutes a night. He's not touching the puck much. He's not really developing. Where if you got Sabrin up your sleeve, you know you're heading into the Bell Center or into Toronto up against a rival. You've got a guy that has proved can get into the heads of superstars like Matthews and Domi. That's a nice little uh, ace up your sleeve to have for when you get back-to-back games, long road trips, etc. So I don't have a problem with this. And DJ Smith got one of his guys that he knows from uh, playing in junior. So that's just an added bonus. Yeah, love having Scott Sabre on the team. And I think what made me even happier is when we saw Brent Wallace tweet out the lineups is that Mikel Bodker was the 13th forward. And that was something that was very telling about how Guy Boucher coached versus how when Mark Crawford came in. I think there was a mandate put down that if you even want to be considered for the, the job next year, you're going to be dressing the kids. But I'm glad to see that that's carried over because Philip Schlappick, one of the players who have who's earned a spot on this team. And I thought that he he's an interesting player. I want to get into Philip Schlappick a little bit, actually, because he he always kind of leaves you maybe wanting a little bit more. But then he'll have this like a beautiful shot or he's got a heavy shot. And I think he's good at utilizing his teammates too. And he's great on, on the four check. So I think he's the kind of player versus a Brown who you don't mind a playing on the wing versus at center. They're both natural centers, but also Schlappick's the kind of guy that you wouldn't worry about having on your, in the bottom half of your lineup where I think you want Logan Brown to play top six minutes and, and have the puck on his stick. I don't mind Slapic running around there as a th- third, fourth liner. Are you guys all right with that? Yeah, I mean, I agree with most of what you're saying. Um, the only thing is, with the Bodger thing, yes, his play has really dropped off, and he was even healthy scratch last season. But if you're looking at Bodker, 
basically your goal with him is just to try to show him off a little and hopefully he has a couple hot nights and he can flip him for some assets. Like that's a guy that is maybe going to play a third line, fourth line role on a contending team further on. I'm, I'm not saying that will happen, but that's kind of your goal for him because that's a $4 million player. Yeah, it, it's crazy. And I mean, we don't have to hash over the Hoffman deal again because that was just a debacle. But and now going back to Schlappick, he's a guy where I, like you said, I like having him in the NHL because we really need to see what Schlappick can do. We have He hasn't had a real chance to show what he can do other than in the minors where he's played pretty well. Because he either he needs to elevate his game and show that he deserves a spot in the NHL roster, or he's going to get surpassed by a bunch of guys. Like you've got guys like Abramov, uh, Davidson, Rodewald. Like there's a lot of guys that could be taking his spot on that fourth line uh, wing. So let's see what Schlappick's got, and hopefully we can kind of define his role in this uh, organization with some time in the NHL. Yeah, 34 points in 57 games with the Belleville Senators last year, including 16 goals. Only got five games in Ottawa, and he scored one goal. Uh, the year before, he did get a 20-game stretch with the Senators, one goal, four assists. But um, I think that now is the time. Now that he's he's 21 years old, it's his third year pro, 22 rather, um, as he's left over from the 2016 draft or 2015 draft. Wow. So it's going back to the, the Shabbat and, and white. So yeah, in the final year of his contract, it's a, a make it or break it time for Philip Schlappick. And one of the guys he beat out for that spot was Vitaly Abramov, who I know you just mentioned, but had a couple concussions issues through training camp. He's cleared now was sent down. Where, where were you at with uh, Vitaly Abramov, Parley? Is he somebody who you were hoping to make the team or just happy to see have a good camp? I was happy to see him have a good camp. And we did see him, and that started right from when we were in Belleville when he had that hat trick that night. He looks like a guy that's excited to have the puck, but I think he's very one-dimensional at the moment. And when he picks up the puck, you kind of you kind of see what's coming. I see a lot of uh, almost William Nylander in him where he gets across the blue line and if he doesn't beat you, it's just it's a turnover. So I think he needs to add a couple more things to his game to be ready at the pro level. So if you're able to uh, maybe establish play where, where you are able to create more offensive abilities than just a one-on-one rush, uh, you're going to add a little more to your game in that aspect. So I think it's good for him to go down and play with guys like Logan Brown, where he's going to have some room on the ice. And uh, I think I'm happy with him being sent down and happy with Schlafick staying. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with Abramov being the guy that gets sent down because if you look at, at his experience, he doesn't really have that much experience in the AHL at all. Like he played pretty much the full season last year in the AHL, but then only played four games in 2016, 2017. And he's a bit of a smaller guy. I mean, 5'9", 171, that's not tiny by any standards, but it's definitely on the smaller side of... Uh, players these days so to see him play top line minutes in the ahl is going to be really exciting for ross and i at the game so i don't mind that decision at all let's see what he's got and uh hopefully he's going to be a big part of this uh belleville senators push to the calder cup that have you seen what the lineup could look like for the belleville senators it's nice especially the forward core the forward core looks great because you have guys like klimchuk and karkone uh, who could be, I mean, top six AHL forwards, even Suarez? I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Z-W-A-R-Z is a, a tough 
four letter run yeah, from that's gonna be a no me. for me dog <laughs> yeah so i'm i'm not even gonna try that one but he's playing the bottom so this was uh, at defense minister gave his best uh best kind of potential of what the b-sends lineup could be and he's got brown abramov rodewald norris between verono and formanton nick paul in the third line after being so dominant last year with uh parker kelly and swazi uh, and then on the fourth <laughs> line, uh, Carcone with Bode and Davidson with Klimchuk and Sturz as your extra. So, wow. And then on the back it's end. It's crazy got- that Carcone and Davidson are on that fourth line. Like, that's just how much of a log jam there is. Even yeah. Bode, I actually really kind of like watching him. He almost like gallops around the ice. It's, he's a, a tall, lanky kid, but he, I, I kind of like him as like an AHL depth piece. I'm glad that they, they brought him back this year after he, he was acquired one for one for Max McCormick. Uh, during last season then uh, if we if we want to move on to the defense on there too Lejoie, Yarosh, Labrie, Ebert and then England and uh, Murray um, so I mean nothing really too too formidable after the top pair but with so many younger defensemen in Ottawa notably obviously Shabbat and Branstrom um, they're able to kind of use that part of their depth and then you we mentioned Thompson's over in Finland and JBD and Tyconic are down in the states so um D, D prospects a little more all over the place and then Hogberg Gustafson in goal and our boy Joey will be starring down in Brampton this year and, and just kind of waiting patiently for his turn um but getting back to the real roster so that was kind of going over the bubble pieces right we talked about the fourth line and and the players that didn't make it one guy whose name we didn't bring up uh, as much as Logan Brown uh, well, I guess I did saying that I didn't want to see him on the wing. But what are you expecting for Logan Brown? What should be his mindset in Belleville, Parley, uh, as um, he tries to really carve out a full-time role in the NHL still? Yeah, so I'm going to come at this with a little bit of a different perspective, and I'm going to say that I'm disappointed with how he played in the preseason. I think there's a lot to add to his game, uh, especially in a 200-foot role with the foot speed in the professional game. He was in junior for a while, and that's kind of where you can hide some of the problems that you have in your game because uh, the way that the game's played in junior hockey and the talent level there. But when you get up from the pros, you got to be able to contribute in every section of the ice, especially if you're going to be playing down the middle. Um, when it came to him moving to the wing, Ross, as you mentioned, that seemed like a little bit of a cop-out for me. I think he's got to be the guy that can learn how to play the game up the middle. And once he adds that, I think he can be an effective NHL or he definitely has the offensive side of the game. And I think that's where he's going to, um, really establish his himself in Belleville this year, because I very much subscribe to the fact that if you want to be a talented and elite player, you have to work on the things that make you that good as well. So his offensive side needs to be very big in what he works on this year and just staying consistent. Also, I need him to stay healthy for this year to be successful for Logan Brown, because there's been a lot of times where we've thought he was going to put up big years and it was like, well, too bad he got hurt. It's starting to uh, be time where we need to see more of a sample size from him to really get a feel of what he can do. And this year at the pro level, I think we're going to get that chance in Belleville. Well, as much fun as this to talking about, I'm just excited to see him take this next step because you know he's he's probably pissed off. So how are you gonna? There's two options. You're either gonna fold or you're gonna get even tougher because, let's face it, this is guy who's only going into his second year pro, and I know he's seeing a lot of the guys who were drafted around him already making an impact at the NHL level, but not all development curves are created equal. So he needs to go down, put his head down, and realize that this this is the t- time where he needs to embrace 
not try to maybe hurry and say, what's the quickest way? Do I just like focus defensively? No, take advantage all aspects of your game and be patient, let it grow. And what Pierre Dorian, I, I thought he said this well on TSN 1200 this morning was that, A, he didn't do enough to beat out any of the four centers who are already there. But when he said that, I'm thinking, I'm looking at the contract situations, Pajot in the last year, Tierney in the last year, Nisimov two years left. Those three guys, all three of them won't be there at the trade deadline. I'll promise you that right now. So between now and then, Logan, what are you going to do to earn that top spot? Because that's the most glaring hole in the Sens team is a number one center. And it's there for him. So I'm excited to see him hopefully take the reins on that. And, uh, I mean, I'm just excited for it to get started. Uh, We can quickly go over the other lines. I don't think we need to focus too much because, I mean, we know know the top line is – is young there they might be overmatched on some nights going up against the uh kind of the Stamkoses and the Tavares of the world but what would be I guess we can kind of lead in from from talking about the top nine so just to go through the practice lines here on Monday it was White, Kachuk, Brown, Tierney with Ryan and Duclair on either side and then Anisimov with Ennis and Batherson and uh, listening to 1200 the other night and I guess it's been going around on Twitter but Anisimov spelt E-N- N-I, as a, that duo name, if that's not a budding bromance <laughs> coming up, if those guys start start connecting on the ice, won't that be the most random? Like, we tweeted out at the start of summer, one of my favorite threads was the obscure senator. If Tyler Ennis and Artem Anisimov aren't both obscure senators one day, then I <laughs> am going to be shocked. How have you guys felt that DJ Smith has initially created his lineup? I think putting Batherson on that second or on that third line, sorry, along with I guess we're saying Enesimov now. <laughs> uh, I think it'll be interesting because he's now playing with a guy that can fly in Tyler Ennis, and he's able to create or put the puck away and create chances for himself around the net. But playing with a guy like Drake, you're gonna find those lanes around the net. Drake's able to hold on to the puck that extra second, get the guys in that open space where they're gonna be able to take advantage. Let's not forget, Anisimov's played with some talent in his life, and uh, he's been a consistent 20 goal guy. I think four times in his career he's had 20 goals. So letting Drake uh, learn with them is very is gonna be very interesting. It's gonna be fun to watch. I almost think the way that these lines are set up that. Anisimov's line and Tierney's line. So I guess we could say the second and third line. I almost think they'll play the same amount of minutes and whoever has the better night will be given more minutes on that specific night. I don't see a real edge to either side. And uh, I think it'll just be kind of a, after that top unit of white Brown and Kachuk, a little bit of a revolving door. And it'll be interesting to see who's able to take the reins and kind of get out there and make themselves the second line. Yeah, and I mean, you talked about uh, chemistry between possibly Ennis and Anisimov, Ross, but DJ Smith was talking that the reason he put Batheson with Anisimov is because he saw them really chatting after each each play, each shift. Anisimov was really talking to Batheson, trying to give him some tips, I'm sure. So having a veteran guy like Anisimov, which like you said, Chris, he's played with Patrick Kane, he's played with some top-end players, Having that experience and being able to pass that on to Batherson, who I think is just going to be a sponge up there. He's going to be taking in everything that he's learning. It's going to be really successful. And then a line that I actually like the makeup of a lot is Duclair, Tierney, and Ryan. Uh, Duclair is a guy with a lot of speed. We know that. That's his number one asset. Tierney is a guy who 
he may not have a full set of skills, but one thing he's really good at is setting up guys uh, with assists. I'm pretty sure he led the team at the end of uh, the season for forwards anyways with assists. I think he had like 39 or something. So he can dish the puck out, which is exactly what Bobby Ryan needs. Bobby Ryan needs someone with playmaking abilities so that he can get open or in front of the net to let go that shot if he has time and space. So that's a line where I think can really have some success and especially, I think Duclair really showed his speed beating Max Domi on that breakaway shorthanded. That's just another element Duclair is going to add to the PK. So, yeah, definitely that kind of 2A, 2B line, like you were saying, Chris, gets me excited. And hopefully, Bobby Ryan can have a big year. I say if he's healthy, he can get close to the 50-point mark, between 40 and 50 points for sure. I'm expecting more than 50 points from Anthony Duclair. And nice work, by the way. Just double check there. And it is 39 assists for Chris Tierney, Ooh, most, most among boom. Sens forwards. Not quite Thank 40, you. though. That's like all Leaf fans saying that Tyson Berry's a 60 point defense. It's like, nope, he's had 59 twice, but never 60 point. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Uh, but yeah, Anthony Duclair, I've loved watching in preseason. So I think whatever he, line he's yep. on can be the second line. 16 shots on net, boys. In it's unreal preseason I mean it, that's creating chances and you a little bit touched on it and I just kind of want to add what I was thinking when you were talking there pillar and that is when you have a guy like Tierney and Duclair and I know Ross and I have had this conversation many times in the past when you make a line you find a pairing and then you add a third that will accent that pairing and that's the best right. way that we think you should make a line with Tierney and Duclair you clearly have your pairing so now let them play their game and Bobby Ryan can kind of play in the shadows. And that's where he finds if he's able to creep off off to the dot and, like you said, release that quick shot, I think that's where he's going to have his best success. So if he's able to do that, I think that's where he should, where he should be playing because that's where you're going to get the most out of him. Yeah. No, I agree with all that. Um, I want to go to a poll. Not even a poll, but we put up on our uh, Twitter account in August. What exactly would qualify to you? As a successful 29-20 season for the Sens. We got a lot of action on it. But what I want to focus on is the most liked reply. Shout out at Kyle Kachuk. Not sure if there's any relation there. But he gave up. Um, he gave one, two, three, four. Uh, four reasons. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list them all off. Uh, actually, we're going to cut down to three. Because one of them was long-term Shabbat and White. So check, check. Um <laughs> So winning the draft lottery, of course. I mean, that's kind of the, the pipe dream of the season is getting that number one overall pick. But the other way you can look at it is Brady Kachuk getting 60 points or Belleville making a run at the Calder Cup with all the prospects available there. Which, How would you power rank those three um, situations here that could be positives going forward for Ottawa? I mean, if you're going to call it a pipe dream, that should be number one. And then if you're going to build towards long-term success, I, sorry, success, I think that going to the Calder Cup is number two. That's such an important part of it. And uh, we saw that many teams in the past have gone to the Calder Cup and they're starting to show that long-term playoff runs as pro players is very helpful for young players. So I think that's easily the one, too. How about you, Pillar? Yeah, my I responded to that tweet. And if I remember correctly, it was top three pick in the NHL draft and then Belleville winning the Calder Cup. I would say I'm going to stick to that. I mean, I think that's really attainable. Like, obviously, winning the draft lottery would be great. 
but you're looking at it's something like an 18% chance or whatever to get it, even if you finish I mean, dead last. Martin Jones is also still San Jose's goalie. Yeah. So, I mean, you're going to look at a, two good first-round picks potentially this year. So, I mean, and if you're going to look at being in the top three, I think that's a win with this year's draft. You could say winning the draft lottery, but being in the top three is going to be a win because there is some real talent at the top of this draft. Yeah, so I would say definitely being in the at least top three and then Belleville, they don't have to win it all, but I want to see them at least make it to a conference final, at least get a couple playoff rounds, get the get the young guys fired up, build that culture. If you can build a successful team in Belleville, like you said, Chris, that core is going to form together and grow and eventually be in the NHL. And hopefully that translates to the NHL. As kind of a honorable mention to the success that I expect them to have, I want to see them move guys like Ross said uh, at the deadline for some assets. I want to see guys like Hainsey, Bodker, Ennis, those guys be moved on. I actually would, I think the Senators are going to keep Anisimov. He's got another year left on his deal at a nice number. And I don't think Logan Brown is quite ready to snatch that center spot yet. Pajot might be able to be moved. He's got a lot of uh, skill on the PK. He's kind of a grinder, checker kind of guy. So if he could get moved as well, because the Senators, they don't they don't need those guys come down the stretch. So if they can flip them for some assets, some prospects, some picks, that's a win. Guys, I'm so fired up for this hockey season, and I'm excited to be posting this podcast presented by at Big Heads Media. So go give them a follow. They've got podcasts for all sorts of great categories, one for every NHL team. So maybe Senators are, are playing in Toronto on Wednesday. Maybe you're going to want to go hear what, ah, no, you definitely don't. But maybe when the Rangers come to town, <laughs> you want to get a little background on the blue shirts and the big summer they've had. Head to Big Heads Media, go to the category sports, hockey, and then click on the New York Rangers. Hear what the banter's like. Know your opponent before the game. And that was also a sneaky way for me to tell you the upcoming schedule. So in Toronto on Wednesday, we know Scott Sabrin will be in the lineup. What's your expectation outside of another 5-2 win here like they started last season off with? <laughs> well, we were talking a little bit before the show. Uh, Pillar maybe Pillar predicted a 5-4 uh, shootout win, but uh, I don't know. I think this year we got to go into it thinking that – it's going to be, it's got to be Brady Kachuk. It's got to be Colin White. It's got to be these guys producing. And it, if you're going to go into a game like that, I'm excited to see the young kids go into some hostile environment and uh, try and try and get the job done. All I remember from last year, early in the season is Thomas Shabbat dancing around Ojiganov and scoring a beautiful goal. If we could see another one like that with the, uh, the kid having the new contract, that'll be very exciting. So it's got to be the big boys, I think for me. And uh, if they're able to put up a good night, that'll be that'll be a successful night for me in my eyes. Yeah, last year was five and three. This, this this year, I'm going to say it's going to be five two, just so people aren't going back and roasting me because I got the score wrong. I was at the and game. And this time, Parley DJ Smith will be on the right side of that move. He's not watching it because uh, he was taking care of the defensive side of the Leafs last year. He probably had a couple sleepless nights after that. So this time, <laughs> he'll get to enjoy the Shabbat show. Yeah, and how could you not, honestly? Um, that'll be fun. And then the home opener, obviously, on Saturday. I should give a shameless plug, too. Um, I'm going to be starting, well, I produce all the Leafs games here for TSN 1050. Uh, and they're letting us do host uh, Ken Stapon, another friend of the program, 
uh, and I host the post-game show. So if you want to hear kind of a, a Sens fan stuck in enemy territory here trying to host a, a local sports show, tune in to TSN 1050, 11 o'clock uh, post-game on Wednesday. You can hear my ugly voice try to break that game down. It'll be a lot more fun. It'll be a lot more fun if Thomas Shabbat does anything close to what he did last year. And I think it would be the best time if we see a nice little Scott Sabrain tilt with Austin Matthews. I mean, he's going through, <laughs> he, he already got Max Domi. So Austin, Pablo Matthews, you are on the clock to answer the bell here after your utmost disrespect of him the last time they they played. So, I mean, that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Boys, you got anything else here before we shut it down and, and let the season take care of itself? I think uh, Ross, I can't I can't wait to hear your take on Cody Cece as a as a in the Leafs perspective. That's gonna be really interesting. Well, time will tell. We got to just see how he plays, you know. <laughs> but my expectations are not high. I'm gonna look at another guy in a Sens uniform for the next game, and I have high hopes for Nikita Zaitsev for this season, playing alongside Thomas Shabbat, hopefully getting back to his offensive ability that we saw in his first year in the NHL. How sweet would it be to see Nikita Zaitsev score on a power play against the Leafs to win the game? I think that would be perfect, and uh, I'm happy he's not the longest-serving senator come come the end of his contract anymore, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how he plays in uh, what will now be hostile territory inside Scotiabank Arena. Yeah, very hostile territory. I've got a story for you. Uh, I can't share it, though, yet, but we'll see. There could be a Zaitsev story on the horizon if I get permission to share it. (laughs) Um, But in the meantime, enjoy your new toys, Ottawa Senators fans, because there's a few young kids in the lineup. There's a few vets who are going back to play their old team in game one. And guess what? The Ottawa Senators have lost zero games of regular season hockey this year. So enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, For Brandon Piller and Chris Parliament, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been episode 62 of Making Sense of the Sense, presented by Big Heads Media. We look forward to talking to you after an expected 2-0 start. And trust me, we'll bitch about the scheduling then.